0: look, we're going to have a bit of fun today. Uh, we got the kids in. Welcome, Empower. Can you give me a hi? A hi. Yeah, you're the coolest kids in Sunday school, in kids' church. Uh, our Empower class is actually our older, oldest class in our kids' church. They're the ones that are about to head into high school in the next few years, and they're going to be our leaders of tomorrow. And so it is great that we can have you guys here, because we are very, very much looking forward to the times where you'll be leading us in the church. And so when I pray, and we're going to be talking about faith in the real world, we're going to be continuing our series looking at different individuals and heroes from the New Testament and what we can learn from them. So when we pray, and um, let's commit today and the message to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for uh, what you're doing uh, in our church. We thank you, God, that even last week that we got to, to learn and grow with one another, God. And, Lord, we know that you, you're here even right now. We know that even as I speak the word, God, I pray, Lord, for the word to, to touch hearts and to challenge people even today, even as it's challenged my life as well, God. We thank you for everyone here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, just as I think you probably picked up earlier on, Pastor Chris is not here. He's all the way in the Philippines running what um, has what has been, what has been um, before COVID our regular Philippines medical mission trip, and um, he was actually going to be on the crossover from Reach today, but there's been a lot of delays in flights from the team group team team members, and so they're facing a lot of different battles on the trip already, where a lot of flights have been delayed by a day or two. There was like, one person on the trip that their flight I think got delayed all the way until Wednesday. I think and so they've had to rebook their flights and yeah so it's been a real challenge already as you go across to do missions work so we need to be praying for our senior pastor and the team as they do some great work I believe that I believe also the Ubon team is back I'm not sure if um, if they're they're here no I think they're coming back another day but we also have another mission trip there's a lot of things happening at FGA um, at the moment and some really great things that are happening in our church um, look, uh, a few weeks ago I was actually in the Empower uh, class teaching. I, was, I used to be a kids pastor and, and I managed after like 10 years, um, they invited me back into kids ministry to, to speak to the Empower group. It was actually very fun to speak to the Empower group. Uh, I was actually sharing, the, sharing them my love for sport. Do you remember, do you remember that? my Love for sport. I used to, I love team sports. So I love anything to do with teams. I love, that's why I love the fact that, you know, last week we got together, volunteers got together, different parts of the body working with one another, and to put on something like we did last week. I love the fact to watch teams um, in, in sync with one another. My team won last night. Calton's my team in AFL. They won a record breaking win last night, and um, I'm hoping for better things in the years, in this year to come. But I love watching teams, and as much as I think, I think I love watching the superstars in teams play. Um, I love big names. I love to watch the um, uh, big names. What I I really like to see when I observe successful teams play out are probably like the lesser names, the unsung heroes that go uh, that that are, are, are part of that team that are essential for the success of what that team is going to become. You know, we look at Um, look at some of the the biggest and best sporting teams that have ever walked the planet Um, you look at the Chicago Bulls I used to be a basketball fan during the Michael Jordan era everyone knows Michael Jordan, everyone knows Scotty Pippen Who who knows the other players on their team who knows all the other players that play through the six different championships that they won? Who were the people on the bench? No one knows these players. I mean, you may know a couple, but you may not know them. They're not the people, they're not the, they're not the people that you walk into the store and you buy their jersey with their name on your back. And, and I think sometimes we, we often push, the, push up the superstar. We, all, we look to the superstar, we forget about the people around them. And, and, and I look, we look at some of our soccer players going around. Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo, scored they're probably like one of the most goals of all time. Does anyone even know which club he's playing for right now? Does anyone know who, what, what, what team he's playing for, what some of his teammates are? He's playing some team in the Middle East at the moment, earning stacks of money. No one knows his teams. Um, what I've realised um, is that they may not seem these unsung heroes may not seem very important and, and not very significant, but each one of them play an incredible role in, in the success and the story of that team. And I think today we are talking about faith in the real world, and we're looking at people in the New Testament that have made a difference, that made an impact, how, and how can we learn from their faith journey. And as soon as you think New Testament, you think big names, Peter, Peter, you know, instrumental in the starting of the early church. Paul, you know, Paul himself. You know, he wrote most of the New Testament. Wow, he's such a big hero. And I think maybe next week we'll talk about him. But but these are sort of people that we're dealing with, big pillars and and founders of our faith. People that if they weren't didn't start what they started, we wouldn't be here today. You look at Paul's life and you know how he took the word, he took the gospel out, past the Jewish um, Jewish people out into Everybody in this whole world. Wow. You think about that and go, this land of Australia, we might not be here sitting in this church without this person. But then we talk about other people. In the New Testament. And maybe we don't speak about them as much, but each one of the people that we mentioned in the New Testament are important in some way as to why we're even here today, why even um, the church is here today, why even we believe in the faith that we believe today. And today we're talking about uh, Timothy, and it's actually really cool that we got Timothy up on stage. It just so worked so perfectly. It must be God's sovereignty at work here. Um, And and Timothy, I, I I love Timothy, because a lot of Timothy's life I actually really resonate with. But Timothy himself, um, if you look at his life, and we'll and I want to talk a little about his background of his life a little bit, he was not the spectacular. Um, if you look at his early life, in fact, the Bible doesn't actually talk a lot about his early life, and perhaps it wasn't that exciting um, to, to, to listen to. He actually lived a fairly ordinary sort of life. Um, he grew up... Um, in in, in, a, in a place called Lystra, and I know your kid, the kids are writing notes, right? So I believe that's one of the questions where he grew up, and I'll re- repeat it later on as well. He wasn't the most spectacular. He seemed pretty ordinary. He wasn't a kid that killed Goliath. He wasn't a kid that, you know, had the five loaves and two fish and fed, and, and, and Jesus used him to feed fi- thousands of people. He wasn't this sort of kid. In fact, the Bible tells us that, you know, in 2 Timothy, that actually he just grew up from a very young age and, his he learned the scriptures from a very young age. It wasn't anything very spectacular about it. Um, he, he had his mom and his grandma teaching him about the word, about the scriptures, about um, the things of God. It wasn't like he was doing amazing, spectacular things. It was just simply very, very ordinary things. And then we start to look at his life. Um, as, as I mentioned earlier, he was he was born in a, in a small city called Lystra. It was it was a city full of you know. Um, It was a non-Jewish city. He grew up with parents that were part Jewish. One was Jewish. One was Greek. You know, the Bible says that you know that his first encounter with perhaps Paul was on Paul's first missionary journey in Acts 14, where it talks about how Paul came to Lystra. As as a result, he got to the got to the city and he healed a lame man, and the man got healed, and lots of people got saved. Uh, even in that stage in Acts, we never hear the name Timothy at all. And so we, we, we get a little bit more of a glimpse about who Timothy is as you progress through the New Testament. In, in Acts 16, this is the first time we hear about Timothy's life. And what happens is that Paul comes around. Uh, Paul, as we know, he goes, on, he goes on missionary journeys. The first one, as I mentioned, he went to Lystra. He preached the gospel there. Many got saved. He comes back again. And in Acts 16, this is the first time we see uh, Paul and Timothy uh, meet. And it says this in in Acts 16. It says, Paul came to, to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area. For all they knew that his father was Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew in numbers. See, Paul saw something in Timothy, and the Bible doesn't say quite what it is, but saw something in Timothy that he took Timothy under his wing as a disciple. Timothy wasn't spectacular. Timothy wasn't somebody who stood out from the crowd. Even the Bible doesn't say that, say those things. I think if he did, the Bible would actually mention those things. But Paul saw something in Timothy and chose him, and called him a disciple that would go with him. You know, to fast forward the story, I'm not going to get into a whole bunch of detail on Timothy's life because I think I want to look at different aspects of his life that we can learn from. But Timothy himself went eventually became someone who God used mightily. I don't know if you realise that Timothy became a person that Paul mentored, a person that Paul saw something in him to actually take the church further. You know, Paul would send him out to other churches to support, to help, to equip leaders, to deal with conflict, to keep churches, keep leaders focused on where they should be focused on, which is Christ. And Timothy was instrumental in the the progression of the early church as we know it. Timothy, his life was written down in Scripture now for all of us to see. And it all started out at a very, very ordinary place. I think we we talk about a lot of heroes and people in the Bible, and then what we see is that we that there are a lot of ordinary people that God can use. And and I think one of the things that I see in in our in Timothy's life was this ability to just do the ordinary well. You know, Paul says this about Timothy um, that Paul, after journeying with him for so long, he says in one Timothy um, one two he says my um, My true son in the faith. This is a person that has journeyed with Timothy and Paul has seen, his journeyed with Paul and he's seen something about Timothy for him to call him a son of the faith. And then further in Philippians, when Paul is in prison, he goes to the Philippian church, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know Timothy's Proven worth. These are the things that Paul says about Timothy. You know, we look at his life. He started out with it was pretty ordinary, but look what he became. I think there is. When I look at it, I I, I was thinking about Timothy's life, and I and I thought about thought about this statement that there is no extraordinary about the ordinary. You know, you can't be extraordinary about doing the ordinary things well, and I think you you see that in Timothy's life. You know, but at the same time, if if you look at Timothy's life and you look at his life on paper, and if Paul was going to run a process to work out who was the person who's going to follow me, who I would call my son of the faith, would Timothy even get to the starting point of that process? You know, I think we all, in some way, have written a resume before, to for a job. kids, something to look forward to in life, is to apply for jobs, write a resume, move out of home, and start paying your parents' rent. (laughs) Let's be honest, when you write your resume, you want to be honest, but not too honest. You want to be honest enough to kind of showcase who you are, so that the person reading your resume knows who you are, but you don't want to be too honest where they can see all your flaws and all your weaknesses, right? Am I Right. And so we write a resume, and we write it in such a way that, you know, we sound really good. Our strengths sound really strong. Our weaknesses, our weaknesses sound very toned down. And I remember when I was growing up, and I said, when I say growing up now, that's a long time ago. I wrote my, I think I wrote my first proper resume um, when I was finishing off university, um, and so. I, if you all remember the process, if you're my age now, you remember the process where in your final year of university is the time to get your job, right? So uh, you finish your, your degree, and in that last year, it's so busy because you're trying to do all your final year assignments and exams, and you're trying to go and apply for a stack of jobs so you get a job the next year. I'm not sure if times have changed, but that was my, my time. And I would write my resume, and I, and I remember sitting there writing my resume and thinking to myself, what would somebody want to know about me? right? And so I started to write, you know, you came up to, like, what well, are my qualifications, you know, things like that. Yes, um, I just finished, I went to, like, Monash University is a good university, top university in Australia, am I right? So let's put that right up there, because I'm, uh, whoever wants to employ me needs to know that, right? Melbourne Uni, doesn't really matter about that one. <laughs> um, and then you put things like, you know, it's, uh, maybe I did a, I did a four-year course, you know. Even though it took me seven years, uh, maybe I just I won't, I won't I won't put that in because you know it doesn't sound very good if I put it that it took me seven years versus four. It, it did take me four years. It was a double degree, and I didn't take seven years. But I'm just using that as an illustration. Then it comes to things like perhaps like what's your experience that you have, and you, and as I think through, I remember writing my job experience. I worked for a long time from my university life as a dishwasher, uh, in, in a cafe, and. Uh, that was a fun thing, and but no one really wants to see that you worked as as a dishwasher. So instead of writing dishwasher there, I might put some, I put something like, oh, I worked for in the hospitality industry, <laughs> and my customer service skills are very, very good. Right? And so we, want, we write on our resume things that we want people to hear. And, and we want to be honest, but we're not too honest with our resume. You know? And I, I was serving at church at the time. And like, it was great. Yeah, I served at church. Tick. That's my community service. Yes, I gave $2 to the salvos at the traffic light. Yes, tick. I support community groups. And, and so you make a resume out of something and you, of what people want to hear about you. But the question really, I think, is for us, like, if we actually wrote our resume and we were actually being very honest about what we were writing on our resume, about what, who we were and what, and what were our shortcomings and what were our weaknesses, what would it actually really say? Because I think it show it would show a lot about who we are and it would show a lot about how people will look at us as well. Uh, if I was to actually put up Timothy's resume, and I think as today we're talking about Timothy, like yes, he did some great things. Yes, he was pretty ordinary, and God used him. But he may never have even gotten to that point if all we looked at was what was on an honest piece of paper telling him, telling us what and who he was. You know, if I look at Timothy's life and we look at his background, I read a verse earlier on, and it said that he in in, um, in. In Acts 16, verse 1, it says, Paul came along to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was part Jew, part Greek. You know, It's okay. I mean, today's world, it's okay. We we live in a very much a multicultural city. You know, you walk down the streets and, you know, there's multicultural, there's mixed cultured marriages and there's mixed culture families. You know, it's very normal for us in today's world. Back then, that would not have been the case in a lot of the cases. You know, a lot of cases being part Jew, part Greek meant that you were not really a Jew, you weren't really a Greek. I remember growing up in Australia myself. And you know, the worst question growing up for me was, where do you come from? I hate it when people ask me where I came from. i tell you why I, I hate it, where, why people ask me that question. Because my story is a little bit confusing. Uh, so, and every time someone asks me that question, i would have to go into a whole sort of story about where I came from. Because a lot of people come to me and go, hey, look, where you come from? You're from China, right? <laughs> Anyhow, I'm like, I don't quite understand what you're saying, um, so, so I would have to go. Hey, no, no, I, um, I originally, yes, my um, grandparents, I think they came from China, and then my dad is from Malaysia, from an, a small town in Ipoh, and then my mum's from Singapore. I'm born here. In Australia, but not in Melbourne. I'm born in Adelaide because that's where my parents met, right? And um, and so we moved to Melbourne and to this place when I was younger. So my sister and I are both Australians. I think I'm Australian. And um, and then later on in life, and they asked me that question, I add on, my wife is Malaysian. <laughs> my wife has grew up in Malaysia, but she also came here when she was 18 years old. So she's kind of Malaysian-Australian. And my kids are all stra- are kind of somewhere in between. They're all uh, Australian-born Australian, but I have one daughter. She's actually born in America. So that's my life story. And so I've gotten to the point where like, look, I just tell people, hey, look, I'm pretty pretty confused. (laughs) And so if you ask me where I am, and so I, I remember growing up in school, and because uh, and, I had grown up in Australia, and everything about me was Australian, I felt. I followed Australian sports. I followed, I, I ate Australian food. I wasn't like, you know, we would go on holidays, and I like to do, like, I, 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 for me, it's like, yeah, let's go out and hang out in the surf, you know, these sort of things. It wasn't like I had a lot of Asian um, blood in me, but I looked Asian, all right. and so I was in school and I remember my final few years of school I actually I was actually blessed to be able to go to a private school, my final few years, a big private school and and I, I remember trying to find friends at the school and I looked Asian and I didn't but I didn't really fit into the Asian crowd but I was but then I wanted to play sports with the big Aussie guys, but I also didn't quite fit with the Aussie guys and so I was kind of in this position where I was like in between. I was confused I didn't know where I belonged I didn't know what. Who I could get on well with, I didn't know. Who I could speak with, I didn't know. Who would listen to me, and I kind of lived in a world for a number of years where I was just confused. And I can just imagine Timothy's, Timothy's life. We think that he's about his background, where he's part Jew, part Greek. You know, so, you know, I know it sounds great to have all that experience of you know having mixed cultures, but I think sometimes it can work against you, where it's like. Who do you really identify with? Who will listen to you? Will Jews listen to him? Will Greeks listen to him? If Paul chooses Timothy, you know who's he really going to minister to? to, 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 um, to who's he really going to minister to, to? Because who's actually going to listen to him? He's not really Jew. He's he's not really Greek. So what benefit does he have for my ministry? If you if you continue to read uh, his um, his resume, one thing you'll pick up very fast is he was actually very young. You know, the Bible says, I think, that he uh, he, um, he himself, um, Paul has to write to him and say to him and, and tell him and encourage him, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. See, Timothy had something that worked against him, which, which was his age, you know, I'm in the, uh, we all live in a culture um, here, even at, even at FJ, where like, a lot of us have grown up in Asian homes and there's a, there's a sense of honor, I think, sometimes we give to our, our elders. And so sometimes that honor goes too far, respect can go too far, where we, what, we, we as a young person can't even say anything or speak anything to anyone older than us, right? And I think we've grown up in sometimes in, in situations where, you know, if you're a kid, you just keep your mouth shut, all right? Timothy was young. Timothy was about to embark on a life of ministry where he wasn't just going to talk with people younger than him. He was going to talk with people who were older than him. People who were maybe married, people who had kids, people who were going through problems that he has never seen. He was less experienced. His age was not working for him at all. And then you look ahead at his life and another thing, and if you wrote his health, he was physically weak. I think we get a glimpse of this when Paul speaks to him. See, at the time, you have to understand that um, when the water that they used to drink wasn't always pure. We, we can walk out of this sanctuary and there's a drink tap there that's purified water that we buy for, you, for for each of our church members to drink every single week. And that's beautiful water. But whereas back then, you would go out there and you would drink and you would never know if you would get sick or you wouldn't get sick. So Timothy would drink the water, and the Bible would say, would say that you know that he would get sick from time to time. And in 1 Timothy 5:23, Paul tells Timothy to stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. And I wonder, like, if we looked at Timothy's life, you know, what, what what he was about to do. He was about to to live a life in the fast lane, about to jump from church to church, move from here to here, get up in front of people, you know, talk with people, live a life. I wonder if his health disqualified him from what he was going to do. And then I think we look at his temperament. You know, we all like a. You know, it's he wasn't a. Uh, loud, boisterous, strong, choleric sort of leader. The Bible doesn't say that. In fact, it talks about him being timid. Paul once again has to tell him in two Timothy one seven that God has not given you us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self discipline. You know, when you're about to, about to kind of do the work that Paul is doing, to have somebody who who has self doubts, to have somebody who doesn't. Who cowers a little bit when you know when hard times comes? You know, would you choose somebody like that, or because of that, would you disqualify somebody like that? And you look at his, and you continue to to comb through some of the things that you will put on an honest resume that Timothy had. You would think, hey, look, what's your leadership style? And you would go, hey, look, you're not Paul, you know. And so you look at this someone like Timothy and you look at someone like Paul, Paul was the person that came before him and walked with Timothy. Paul was his, was his great leader that, you know, his whole life was an ordinary. His whole life was spectacular. You know, even the way he got converted, the way he, you know, he, um, he was walking down the road to Damascus and Jesus came speaking to him and blinded him, you know. Paul himself was this amazing, spectacular guy who started many, many churches who, you know, was a spearhead for a lot, a lot of, of, I think, the gospel going out to the different cities. And no one could ever live up to what Paul was. Not many people could be a leader like Paul was. And so Timothy had it all up against him. He was like, from the very start, if you just looked at Timothy's life, would that disqualify you from even starting the journey that God had intended for you? I, I think there are, um, there are weaknesses in our lives that we all have, to be honest with you. I have, you have, we all have. And we'll be quite honest, right now, you could probably think of a number of them. Uh, I think the problem that we have sometimes is that we let our weakness define us. We let our weaknesses become who we are. We actually live in a world, in a society today that I think has what we call a victimhood culture. And I won't spend too much time in this, but it's simply this where, you know, if you've been offended or you're one of the minorities in our society, um, you know, there's a a certain sense of power that comes with that. You know, a certain sense of power if, you know, someone's been offended that, you you know, that, people go hey look I've been offended I'm the minority listen to me you need to listen to me and we do need to listen to them because they are everyone's precious but at the same time what happens over a period of time that's the mindset you take into life what has caused you to become a victim becomes who you are am I right I think the same, same thing with our weaknesses is that we can so easily look at our weaknesses and yes, they may not be that great or they may not be things that, you know, that, are, um, like, that will cause you to stumble but it becomes such a big part of our life, it defines us. You know, I, I've got the kids here today. I, I need one strong kid today. I'm going to illustrate this point to you because we've got the kids here. If you just give me a little grace today, I want to I get my kettlebell up here let me illustrate this point to you, kids. Who's a strong kid here? Who's the strongest kid in the class? I can see some hands. Yes. Ezra. I hear the word Ezra coming up. Give it up for Ezra as he comes up. This is what we call like a brain break during a class. It gives the kids a little bit of a time to have a break in class to reset. This is my... My two kilogram dumbbell, uh, kettlebell, I use it to work out. This is probably my lightest one. I have kettlebells up to 200 kilos that I work out with. But all I need you to do is hold this for me now. See, as I was saying before that sometimes we let our weaknesses take over our whole lives. Like sometimes when we work out, um, it's, two kilo- it's not very heavy, is it, Ezra? It's not very heavy? Is it very heavy? No. no. Do you think you can lift that kettlebell? How old are you? Uh, 11. Eleven. Who's your parents? At the Joshua and Great. Have they signed any disclaimers for kids ministry for injuries and stuff like that? All right. I'm gonna get you stand over here. I want you to hold the kettlebell out in front of you with straight hands. Yeah. Okay. Well you can use two hands if you want to. Hey, one hand, two hands, okay. So it's, it's very easy sometimes, you know, in our lives, you know, it's like a kettlebell sometimes, our weaknesses, Well, we hold it out and it's easy, all right? Okay, it's not that big a deal, it's not that big a deal, but as you hold it for longer and longer and longer, right, suddenly what didn't seem like a big deal is now becoming a big deal. Am I right to say that your arm is getting pretty sore? Your shoulders maybe are getting a bit sore as well. Maybe your neck is getting a little bit sore. And maybe in your mind, it's starting to consume your whole entire mind right now. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) To the point where you had to shift hands to start all over again. That's what weaknesses does. Give it up for Ezra. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's like what what, what Ignatius does for us. Sometimes, you know, it might not start out that that great. We We might not even be thinking about it. But over time, as that one thing in our life, you know, as we focus more and more on it, as we focus more and more, it takes over our lives and it starts to define who we are and what we can do. It was never meant to be like that. You know, in Christ it says this. It says that you know our weaknesses were never meant to be. That Christ came and he, and what He did on the cross was so that we had do- dominion over all things. And it is, Christ, it is Christ that lives in us. You know, in fact, in two Corinthians twelve verse nine it says this: "My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness." Now Jesus died for our sins. He came and He overcame death. He destroyed. Death, So we could have him and have dominion, for him to have dominion over every single weakness of our life. You know, one of the verses which I have clinged to ever since I have become a pastor, it's kind of like our fungus verse. um, If you're in fungus today, you may not even have heard this verse before, but we, we start out fungus as... A group of ordinary people. And we said in 1 Corinthians 1.27, this is how we want to live our lives. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And I think sometimes we see that, you know, God can use anything. God can use us in our weaknesses because God himself has dominion over all things. He conquered those things on the cross for us. And that's the way we should live our lives, not not focusing on our weaknesses, focusing our thoughts and our mind on Christ. You know, I want to keep going because uh, I want to just quickly say that, um, that there are reasons why we have weaknesses. I like how Rick, Rick Warren um, put it. I, I was reading an article that on weaknesses that he wrote. And he says that, you know, there are perhaps three different things that why God, and amongst others, that God actually gives us weaknesses. Number one, it makes us more dependent on God. Think about that for a moment. You know, another, another way to say 2 Corinthians 12.9 in another version, it says, I am with you. That is all you need. My power shows up best in weak people. You know, if you had no weakness, you wouldn't think you needed God. You spend your life being self-sufficient, and, that, and that's no way to live. You know, with our weaknesses, we, there, there is a reason why we depend on God. Our weaknesses. You know, number two, he says that, you know, it prevents us from being arrogant. You know, we realize that we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. You become a much humbler person. I think pride is something that is probably a failing for a lot of us. You know, our natural inclination is to be the best or have it perfectly made. You know, our weaknesses show us that we realize that we need help in our lives. And the third one, I think, it makes us value others, believe it or not, it makes us value others around us. You know, realizing that there are people that have have talents and gifts and abilities and answers that we don't have make us realize that, we need other people. There is value in other people. When I look at our church, the reason why I love our church so much is because there are people here. I look at Timmy, like even Timmy. I could never do what Timmy did today on stage. You know, there are people here that are gifted so differently to me, and that's why we're the body of Christ working together. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 22, it says, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. You know, we have people that, you know, to make last week's conference work. We needed people, all from different abilities, uh, availabilities, times time, uh, um, uh, skill sets, to make last week work. That's the beauty of the fact that each and uh, every one of us have weaknesses that we are dealing with. Now, perhaps what I, the story of Timothy, the, perhaps the one thing I love about Timothy was that he didn't let his weaknesses define who he was and what God could do through him. So often we do that. Timothy, we see his life story wasn't a life where he was confined to just what he thought was on a piece of paper. And I have a look at just three things quickly before I kind of start to wrap up. Um, but Timothy had three simple things that I think we can learn from him. I think he was willing. I think Timothy was willing. You know, when when, when Paul finds Timothy, he's grown up in a, in a mixed home. He's got a Greek father, a Jewish mom. He Yes, he would have grown up learning about the Scriptures, but at the same time, he would have, would have grown up a lot in the ways of a Gentile person, a, a non-Jewish person. Uh, and part of the thing was that he was not circumcised. You know, Part of being Jewish was that you, you would be circumcised. Now, Paul knew that for Timothy to minister, to, to reach out to the Jewish people. He wanted there to be as low barrier as possible for Timothy entering into these places. And so he asked Timothy to, and to, to be circumcised. Timothy was willing to, to do whatever it took to do the things that God wanted him to do. I think we need to be willing. You know, we may have weaknesses in our lives. We may have things that will hold us back, you know, but I think we need, number one, we, I think we, need, we just need to be willing sometimes. I think we, I think we see that in Timothy. Um, one Corinthians 9 talks about how we, you know, that Paul talks to, to Timothy about being all, uh, talks to the church about being all things to all men. I think that's what we need to be like. We need to be people who are willing to go and do what it takes, despite our limitations, despite our weaknesses, you know. Very obviously, we see that Timothy Timothy was teachable. He was a person that you know. As soon as Paul called him, he sat, and he learned from Paul. He he sat and he wasn't he um he wasn't looking for the limelight. He wasn't looking for the big um, his name on on, on lights on the, on the signboards around us. But he journeyed with Paul for a lot of his trips. He, he learned, he, he grew. He, he, the fact that um, Paul was writing the, this whole letter to Timothy was a whole bunch of instructions for Timothy on how to, to lead the church. Timothy was teachable in his way. And I think when, sometimes when we have our weaknesses, we try to do it on our own. We try to live our life and try to fix things. We try to get better on our own. Would you be teachable? Would you be teachable enough to learn how to deal with some of these things that maybe you're not quite there yet with? Timothy was that. He was teachable. And I think the final one which I picked up, he was obedient. You know, for many years, he just followed Peter, well, was Paul around the place. He was doing his thing. He was being faithful. And when the time came calling, when Paul started to – Paul couldn't do it all on his own. And, and Timothy had to step up. He was obedient to that call. He was obedient to go out there. He was obedient to, to take a step up in leadership. He was obedient to, to lead the church. He was obedient to go out there and, and talk hard conversations when needed, despite – or the weaknesses that he had. I think what we see in Timothy is a life where despite what he had and what he was, he said, no, I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be defined by that, but I'm going to live this way, the way that God wants me to live. If I could just share a quick story with you guys as I kind of wrap up and talk about, I feel like a challenge for our church. You know, 30 years ago, I was in school, and that's a long time ago. I shouldn't write how long ago that was. <laughs> um, I, 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 was I had just started attending a, um, a new school, and uh, I was kind of, throughout my whole school, this whole life of my whole teenage life, my whole primary school life, uh, Every two years, I would change schools because, you know, either we move states or we move houses, we would move the churches. And, and so I would find that, you know, every couple of years, we would move schools. And so it was no different this time around. I was in year 10. Just let's start a new school. And so, um, and so I was at this school and meeting new people. It was a bigger school than I was used to. Um, I went for a very traumatic season at this school. I, um, I look back and I kind of laugh now, but... Um, I think certain situations sit out very vivid, vividly in your mind because there are times maybe where you experience some trauma or anxiety um, in your life. And uh, this is no different. Um, I used to hate going to drama class. Like drama class for me was like the worst class ever. Like I, the fact that I had to get in front of people and do things that I didn't like doing was really really uncomfortable, and I know I laugh about it now because I, I, like, sometimes now I have to get up here and speak and you know and stuff like that. But I, there was a time where any situation where I was put up in front of any amount of people, and the eyes on me, there is some. There was a fear that came upon me. There was a sense of anxiety that came on me. You um, know, in, in drama class this one year, and I was in year ten, I think I was. Um, they made us do what they call a monologue, like this could be like, the worst thing ever where you got to stand up in front of your whole class and speak and tell a story of your life and I thought oh, my goodness i was I went home after finding out what Simon was, and I was petrified. I literally was you know for a whole term as kids set their monologues right i was I, 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 I was like, yeah, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And the, twice when I was meant to be actually doing it, I actually skipped school. Um, there were ways to get out of school. Kids don't listen to this part of the sermon. But there were ways to get out of school that, uh, that only certain Asian kids knew how to do. And, and so I would skip Drama. Class and come back again, and no one would know. And so, I would skip drama class because oh, I had this because I, I, I literally was so anxious over having to speak in front of different people. And to be honest, that was my biggest weakness growing up. Every time I was put in that position, I would clam up, a whole bunch of anxiety would come. If I had to do a presentation in class, my I, I would. I would stutter, I would, I would be super prepared, I would be so scared even to walk into the class, I would be shaking literally every time I would come into that class. I think about that situation, I think about then years later when I sat down with Chris um, at uh, Sophia's. Uh, Chris probably would have told this story, You've been part of our church long enough. You know Chris and my story a little bit and how we came into ministry. But Chris, uh, I, was, I was youth leading at the time and Chris um, took me out for dinner. Chris had just come in to the church to work full-time in the ministry for about a year. He was the kids' pastor at the time. And um, our youth pastor had just left, and I was kind of volunteering my time in, in the youth group. And Chris uh, called me up and go, hey, look, when you come to Sophia's, it's like the best place ever to eat. He'll tell it as, and he said, eat whatever you want on the menu. <laughs> and basically, that's, that he, always, he always tell people that, you know, you could choose whatever you want on the menu. And I was blown away because no one had ever taken me out like that before. <laughs> And so I think I ordered maybe an Aussie pizza, <laughs> um, a Coke, a Coke maybe. Um, but yeah, but he, but he he's, I remember having that conversation with him and he was like, yeah, have you ever thought about maybe giving up your job for now and coming in and working with me and we could take over and we could run the youth group and the kids ministry? And I, it, it, it kind of took me. Out of the blue. Like I was, I think I was like Timothy. I was like a person who, I was, I'm pretty ordinary. And I remember leaving that meeting and saying, Chris, I just need some time. I need some time to pray over this. I need some time to think about this. I actually took about five months before I got back to Chris. I remember, I think he met me and then I procrastinated and I put, kept putting him off and off and off. Uh, and because in that time, believe it or not, I tell the first story because a lot of the self-doubts that happened in my life, a lot of the experiences I had in life over the years, things like, you know, I can't speak, I can't, I I, I can never be a leader, like even like Chris is, I can't be a leader like Pastor Roland was, I can't be this sort of person that, you know, there's a certain image that people have of people in the ministry, I can't live up to that, I, I, I felt that this was a period of searching for me where, I was starting to allow the focus of what I feel God was taking me to, but was being overrun by everything that was causing me, you know, all my weaknesses in my life that was causing me to think that I couldn't do it. And, it was, and it, was a, it was months and months of just toying with God back and forth, seeking counsel, praying, reading the Word. And I hit a point where I said, look, I can, I can let my weaknesses define me. Or, you know, I can be like Timothy. I can be willing. I can sit there and go, "Hey, look, I have weaknesses. I can be teachable, and I can now just be obedient to where God you place me to be at." Yeah. And so from, and I look, it was a difficult decision. I still, I, even remember telling Chris at the time um, during the process. Hey, look, there's, there's a, I, there's a probably another youth leader in our church. You should probably choose him because he has probably all the attributes that you want. And, and but Chris, I remember he, he was, he was a, a bit like a Paul to me. I think, where he said, no, I see something in you that, you know, that's why I've asked you this. And, and, so, I, and so for me, I've seen that in my life where we, we should not be defined by our weaknesses. We should not be defined by our limitations. God, uh, through Christ, you know, Christ is the reason why even we're here, to, I'm here today, you know, because he is at my strength even though I have these weaknesses, I look around at our church, and maybe if the band is ready, they can come out. Um, the, look in our church, we we all have different calls. Um, I look around, and some are in the workplace, some are in schools. I look at our kids here. I could not do, I could not be as influential in school as what you kids can be right now, because you're in school right now. I look at, at some people here, and you're called to the home, to the to raise a household. You're called to be a champion in your university. You'll be a champion in your home group. You're a champ. You need to be somebody who is called to be some somebody something that maybe I'm not called to be. I look around, and every one of you has some sort of call on your life. Um, but what's holding you back from that is probably the question you need to ask yourself. Um, I was toying whether or not I should put this in, but I, I felt it was a good illustration. You know, there's, there's a soccer player. I, I, I talked about soccer earlier on. I talked about soccer at the end of my message. Um, soccer's my favourite game. Liverpool's my favourite team. There's a, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a player called um, Trent Alexander-Arnold. He's a young player. And so, but as a young player, he's actually won a lot already. Um, he's won lots of trophies. He's won, um, he's one of the youngest players to probably have won the Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup, you know, you name it, he's won it. But um, he's a right back player. He's a defensive player. No one really thinks about defense, like you have to understand, defensive players, um, yeah, they're probably not your best players. You know, They're people who hack the ball away, you know, they're kind of, just kind of protecting the goals, right? They don't have a lot of skill. That's the kind of the old way of looking at right like defensive players in soccer. Where um, I remember my soccer career, I went from striker to midfielder to defensive player, and that shows you how much skill I have, right? Where like I eventually end up in defense. And he's a right back player. Nothing spectacular. Nothing. Nothing great. Nothing extraordinary. He was just meant to be a player that defends well. And, um, but over the years, he's, been able to reinvent this whole role of what it means to be a right-back. A right-back is they play on the right side. You run up the wing and you defend and you also try to cross the ball. in. But but because of his passing skills and because of his um, ability to have great vision on the field, he's been able to be such a great force, not just defensively, but attacking as well. And so he's he's actually created lots of assists. He's actually reinvented the whole right-back role in today's modern age of soccer – this year, Liverpool's not doing so well, unfortunately. Um, you, it's very unfortunate when you wake up at 2 a.m. and your team loses. Um, and a lot of blame has shifted to this player, Trent. A lot of shifts. And, and people are saying things like, oh, he's so bad. He can't defend. He can't do all these things. And, and, and just looking at all his weaknesses. And... I'm just, and I'm reading the comments because I follow a few groups on Facebook, Liverpool groups, of course, and, and a lot of people are just, he's like the scapegoat for all of Liverpool's problems. Trent did this, you know, he did that, he didn't do this. And, and we get so caught up at looking at someone's weaknesses and we forget about his strengths. Forget about what, what he can do. I, I liked a quote, actually, that I saw under his name where it says, we need to stop talking about what he can't do and start talking about what he can do. I think if we look at our weaknesses, we actually need to stop looking at the things you can't do but, the, but, but start looking at, the, at all the things you can do through Christ. I think we need to, to reorientate our minds a little bit to that because we can allow the things that hold us back, the things, our weaknesses, our limitations, our experiences that we have that maybe are causing us to not move forward. We can look at those things and go, hey, look, I can't do all these things, but in Christ you can. In Christ you can. You know, whatever it might be. Um, and, I'll, and I'll end here. Um, but we all have something in our lives that I, I would consider maybe it's our weaknesses or our limitations. That's it's holding us back. It doesn't need to be something that maybe you're not so skillful in this area. It doesn't have to be necessarily a skill or the ability. It could be an experience perhaps, maybe a time where you've experienced failure or rejection in your life maybe and that is causing you now to go, hey, look, I can't. because of that situation, I just can't. it paralyzes me. I can't, I can't do what I feel God is calling me to do. It could be something that you've been hurt with. Maybe you've been hurt by somebody or something and that's caused you then to go, hey, look, that memory of that means that I just can't move forward. Maybe it's your past. Maybe it's your background like Timothy where you've actually, you're in a place where you can't change. You can't change your past anymore, but you can move forward. You can look forward in your life. But that thing in your past that you have, you just think, oh, no one's ever going to no one's ever going to give me a second chance because of what's happened in my past. You know, through Christ. I think Christ gives you a second chance in that. Maybe it's your age. Maybe as kids you go, hey, look, I'm just a kid in the big adult service today. I'm nothing. I'm insignificant. But man, God can use kids. I've seen God use kids before. Maybe you might be like, I'm retired now even, and I'm going to let the younger generation come up. But can tell you that you're never too old, you're never too old. Um, there's a whole bunch of reasons why I think we will consider things our weaknesses and limitations in life that hold us back. Um, I'm not gonna do a big altar call, but I think, I think sometimes it's good for us just to, in a moment like this, before you leave, um, because a lot of this will just go over your head. I understand that Sunday messages, you listen and you go out and you eat your food. Um, but would it be good if just right now we just reflect in our way just have every eye closed kids if I can get your eyes closed as well if you put your pens down and paper down maybe think about what what are things what is maybe something in your life that's holding you back that you've allowed it to become too much of a focal point in your life that stops you from what God can do through your life what would that be? And in your own way today, why don't you give it to God? Why don't you give that one thing to God this morning? Why don't you give it to God and say, God, I can't do it on my own. I need you to be my strength. I need you to have, have dominion over this situation in my life. Just, just want to pause there just for a little while for you guys just to Have a little moment with God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every one of your children here. Lord, you said in your word that even before we were born, you knew and you had a plan for each and every one of us. Lord, there are things in our own earthly mindsets that we might think disqualify us from doing your work to reaching your call doing the things that you want us to do i pray today that we will release them to you in the name of jesus i pray lord we will release them and place them on the altar that we will know god that you're a god that our weakness is perfected for your strength god that lord that we know that we may only be ordinary but you can make us all extraordinary god we leave that to you into your hands even right now god we declare this church be a church that will work in your power and not our power. That we'll be known for our God who gives us the strength and not be known because of all our limitations as to why we can't do what we should be doing. We thank you, God, today for your Holy Spirit, for your power that's here even right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. I want to thank everyone for coming today. Let's, let's see you, kids. Uh, look, if you're here for the first time, um, we would love to meet you. We have Guest Central, it's outside. If you go outside, you turn right, Guest Central's up there. We have a complimentary meal pack for you. I want to also open up the altar. If anyone needs prayer, we have a ministry team today. I would love to pray for you. Our ministry team would love to pray for you. Please make yourself known. If not, thank you for coming today. Uh, we will see you all next week um, at church. Um, next week. So have a good week, everybody. God bless you. To be